Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ella Massar is the former professional footballer who became a football coach. And you must say it has been going pretty well. Because in the season 2022, she was a part of a very successful one as the assistant coach in Kansas City Current in the NWSL. She has loads of experience in the game and she has represented clubs as a player in Houston Dash, Chicago Red Stars, Paris Saint-Germain, LSK Kvinner, FC Rosengård and VFL Wolfsburg. Since Masser stopped playing football, she has served as a client manager and she has gotten the UEFA coaching badges. In this episode, we talk about her career as a professional footballer abroad, her life as a mom while coaching at the very highest level, and what she sees for herself next. You are listening to Their Pitch, and this is the Ella Massar episode. We are back from a little Christmas, holiday, New Year's break. And before we start, we want to wish you guys a happy new year and hope 2023 is uh, incredible for you guys. We're going to kick off with Ella Master. Uh, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Um, I wish I could say my wine's in my left hand. It's like a Monday night here, um, but I, I'm good. I'm really honored to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, we're we're very happy to to have you on. I actually told Mia that uh, you're one of the players or one one of the former professional players that I've actually wanted to have on this podcast for a while. So very happy about that. So Ella, I hope I didn't pronounce your name um, too wrong. I think I said it right, but I'm gonna let you go ahead and pronounce your full name. My name is Ella. Will not say my middle name because people laugh at it. Uh, Master. Um, that's how you, they, it's M-A-S-A-R, but actually you say the last like an E. Can't tell you why, but it's always been Ella Masser. Ella Masser. And there you have it. Depending in which country, though, people still don't believe that I'm American when I go home. I'll, I'll never forget going to Kansas City, walking into Starbucks in the airport. Where are you from? What do you mean? Where are you from? I'm from here in the Midwest. No, no, no. Like, where do you come from? I'm like, Champaign-Urbana. They're like, oh, you have such an accent now. And I'm like, Yeah. 10 years in Europe, that will happen. That's funny. Um, speaking of those 10 years in Europe, we do have a quote from somebody who knows you very well, who you might have spent a little bit of time with in Europe. Okay. I'm going to read it to you, and you're going to have to guess who it is. The warmest and kindest person out there. As the new kid in the club, we played together. She radiated some kind of security you wanted to be a part of. She shared her true self without any filter, which somehow transferred an incredible amount to me. A wonderful pro- person and teammate I have become very fond of. We are friends for life, and she made her she made her time in Germany one of the best, even if it was incredibly tough for me to be there. Who, who do you think that is? Mary Herbs. It's not Mary Herbs, but it, it's one of the Fab Six, right? That's what you guys call yourselves. 
Yeah, it is. So it's Carl. Yeah. Carolina Grahamansson. A different, a different, and I know you guys just interviewed her or the podcast just came out with her. Yeah. Carl, um, yeah, we got really lucky with that time. Put it that way. Yeah. You're, you're our first, you're our fourth, our fourth person from that friend group. Yeah. I think. So we got Babette left and Pernilla. Or? Yeah. So yeah, I, I do my homework. We're working on it. Yeah. yeah I'll get, just, you can text me about Babette. Pernilla, you can get Pernilla in. We can all put some vision pressure on her. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, Ella, uh, let's talk about uh, your, your career to start off with. Um, and I did not f- follow um, Magic Jack at all, but I did follow Houston Dash. And you left Houston Dash for, for FC Rules and Gord in Europe. How come you decided at that point in your career that you wanted to try something new and just get away? Well, <laughs> well here we go. Should have got my wine. Um, my <laughs> ex-wife um, at the time, Air McLeod, she always wanted to do European football. Um, and I had that opportunity when I was with PSG. Um, but obviously my father passed away when I was there and I had to go home early. Um, so I thought I didn't ever have a chance to come back. And truth be told, Rosengard only wanted Aaron, even though I was a captain. They didn't need a defender at that point in time. And then they're like, well, why didn't she come over and fly out for tryout? So I had to pay for myself to go to Rosengard to come in for a tryout. Stayed in a hotel, came out. I'll never forget me and Sessa. Uh, sat on a pitch, Jack, two other coaches. And I had just 45 minutes of finishing session one-on-one with Sessa. Was there for two days. Then I flew back, or maybe it was like four or five, flew back. And they're like, okay, we want to sign you both. So in all reality, at that point, I was married. I was 30, 31. Thought I would give it up, have babies, and that's it. But Erin McLeod, credit to her. Um, she made me get on that plane. She made me go for the tryout. And I had arguably the two best years of my career yeah and and then you you left for for wolfsburg but in in your instagram goodbye post because we also do our research over here there was um there was a little something that you know that you hinted at that there was something that you wanted to be said but you never actually said it it was more like i'm being the bigger person but what actually went on behind the scenes, would you say? So I am known as American for being a bit more emotional. I will 100% take that on me. Uh, I feel like I've probably even keeled a little bit now, a bit more with Babette by me, the German voice of reason. Um, but long story short, we were both set to sign our contracts. And then at the last moment, Jonas was coming in, a lot of changes, and they only wanted to sign me and not Aaron. Now, at that time, I understand it because I had a really good career. Erin was there for two years. She was a bit of an older player. She had three ACLs. Um, so I think it was just it waited so long that it almost was the timing was too late. I wish they would have just told us earlier that they only want to sign one of us. Um, and I have always been that human that will stick with my family. And the decision was easy. Um, and then from there, I... Got the offer from Wolfsburg, one of the best. I mean, I never, that was always my dream to play in a Champions League final. And I never thought that was going to happen, especially with only one US cap. Um, so it was simply an opportunity that I, I could not say no to. Um, and I apologize to T after, um, to Tere after everything, because 
I did not see it as the bigger picture. I just saw it as, oh, they've done this to my ex-wife. Does that make sense? Compared to understanding what's best for the club and a lot more. So yeah, that's what happened. It was emotional, but you know, I, I still really appreciate Rosengard. I, they gave me this opportunity. T, I've seen her around. I think she's an incredible sporting director. I have so much love for them. And ultimately got me Wolfsburg, which I never thought was possible. Yeah, because were you at all like because you were you at all like disappointed at that time when that went down, but now you've kind of like so when that happened, I was done with football. I mean, I again was like, okay, I've done it. This is great. You know, we can Aaron and I maybe want to start a family back then. This is really going down memory lane. Um and then all of a sudden this contract came out of nowhere. Um and it was almost like pinch myself, is this real? And obviously from there, <laughs> a lot of stuff happened because I'm now in Germany with an ex-wife. Um, but it, I mean, it all happened for a reason. I mean, that's, I take full responsibility, but it, everything happened for a reason. Yeah. How, how, how different was, you know, like FC Rosengord for you at the time and, and Wolfsburg, how was that coming to, to the, the German giant? Well, I like, I, we talked about a bit before, I thought I was fit. I thought I was doing the right things. And we did this horrible woods run. And I, excuse me here, but I peed and puked on myself because we had to do this 45 minutes called a tempo lauf, tempo run. Um, and by the end of my year and a half, I had a better lactic score. I was, me and Ava Payor were the top two in the first five yards. Like my, at that point, after I'd done Wolfsburg, I probably could have gone, I had my best contract in my career after Wolfsburg. Um, just because that was the standard and the simplest way that I can explain it was I was with 11 captains of national teams in my dressing room at Wolfsburg, 11 different captains, different national teams. I mean, that summed up the quality of the players that we had in that time. I mean, Pernilla, Carl Hansen, Nilla Fisher, Lena Gosling, Alexander Pop, Claudia Neto, Chris Minda, Pernilla Harder. I mean, I could go on and on with the players that we had and all Schultz. I mean, it was, it was incredible. It was by far one of the best teams I've ever played on. Yeah. Cause how does the, the temple runs compare to the beep test? The beep test is like ripping off a bandaid. The temple wrongs is like, you're going into a marathon that will never end. That's how my body took it. Sounds awful. It's it's, it was on and now they've stopped doing it. But like, if I see Carl or Panilla or Zada, they're like, Hey, remember when that happened? I'm like, yeah, guys, I can't forget it, actually. So you've been in Europe for a while. Um, how? And you've also been in the NWSL as both a coach and um, and, a, and a player. How would you say the leagues in, in Europe compared to NWSL? Because I feel like the NWSL doesn't get enough credit over here. Um, well, that's maybe <laughs> tactics. I, I mean, I, I, I think tactics and the understanding of how... I mean, for example, if you watch Portland Thorns this year... In my opinion, you could tell they have a European coach because of the tactical efficiency that they, that Rian gave them. I mean, they were tactically a step ahead. Um, I think they don't get enough credit because the players that are in that league, I mean, I did the 100, 100 player, top 40 players, um, for Rich Laverty in England. I had Sophia Smith, Dabinia, Caroline, um, Sophie Smith, Mal Pugh. Tierna. I mean, you could just go on and on about world-class players that are in that league. Um, but I would have to say like the tactical and technical ability, it's still coming. But also the NWSL is you can't play every, every game is a game. 
every game is you're going to come in, you're going to say, okay, it's a battle. This is what you're going to get. Let's go. And in other leagues, you don't have that just because the, the player pool is not separated or dispersed the way it should be, or not the way it should be, or the way the NWSL is. Yeah, I, I had a I had a chat with uh, Julia Rotter who played um, yeah, for Washington Spirit. Yeah, and I had a chat with her, and she said that every game felt like an international game. Yeah, and like the the, the intense intensity wise, um, and you look at when you look at it from the outside, I think the U S is, you know, ranked number one on the FIFA ranking and almost like, I think I can count on one hand, how many U S players play in Europe. Yeah. I mean, you know, like the rest are in NWSL. I think one that's uh familiarity and it's comfortable to play in the U S. Um, I'm also, I also think it's, I mean, let's call it as is U S lost to Spain C team. I mean, that's that's what just happened. Right. And it's not that U.S. is not probably a better team. It's just that Spain tactically. I mean, I know half that girls because they are this on Real. I mean, I, I've watched those players for the last two and a half years develop. And I I wouldn't I take maybe one or two to the USA, maybe one or two. But I would take 10 or 12 U.S. players. You know, it's just it's it's what league it's what you're adapting to. It's the football it's the football, how do you say this? Intelligence. It's the football adaptation. But I would, it's exciting for me because now people are starting to give US, okay, you can't just rely on your athleticism. Now it has to be a tactical undergoing of let's play together and let's find a way to win. But half of that team in Spain play for Real, the other half play for Barca. The US team, there's one or two players that maybe played together for a year. And then the rest is you get a week of training together. Do you, do you think the US players might need to be more? technical because you look at the te- like the technical players are coming up more and more but looking back at you know the world cup 2015 2019 it was basically like tobin heath who was like the most technical player out there i think it's i think there's a there has to be on both sides i think there's a, a system of them going through college it's, it's not enough time think about it a kid going into school at 18 years old you're going to only train for maybe six months out of the year if i'm going and playing at Rosengard at 16. Every day I have training. Every day I'm playing with the pros that are 10, 15 years older than me. The physicality is there. I'm on the road. I'm experiencing the professional environment. So I just think it's it's that still, and we're still trying to catch up. It's just not enough time unless they go out now. Sophia Smith, I mean, you see her, you see Olivia Moultrie, you see these players now that can adapt. It's just, it's not the norm yet, but I think it it will be. Yeah. It's interesting. I just need more time. It's interesting because you brought up Olivia right there, and she's. I it's. It felt like it took forever for her to get her professional contract. That it's like a hassle to just become professional at such a young age. That it takes a while. Yeah, and I would. It's different. It's not if you become Hannah Benson at Rosengard, you're playing in front of. No offense, a thousand, two thousand people. You're training. You're not walking down the street and everybody's knowing. If you're Olivia, you're 14 and a half years old playing in front of 22,000 people. Yeah. You're getting a Nike contract. You're getting all these expectations. I I mean, I, I think Olivia's a great footballer, but I I ask myself if, okay, it's different because he's a, it's my son, but I think it's really hard to adapt to the U.S. culture because it's it's either big or it's not. There's no give them some time to really adapt and come into the system. Does that make sense? It's just pressure, 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 pressure. Yeah, it makes sense. And it also kind of fits with the whole eliticism that goes on in like the U.S. culture that's everywhere, I think. 
but let's talk about how how or why or when you recently returned to NWSL. You recently returned to Kansas City Current, um, and you guys were runner-ups. I might also give Kansas Current uh, a big up because that used to be my my team when I lived in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So how was how was the experience for you to to get that far in the league, but being on the sidelines? Um, no, I I mean I, it's it's for my it was an incredible ride. I mean, it, to see where the NWSL is now is how we got to fly into DC and you got this week of, you know, we went from Houston into a 13,000 and we went into Seattle in 22,000. Then you went into DC or however many were, and then you went to DC. I mean, we were pro athletes for those two weeks, three weeks of incredible games, incredible high tempo. I mean, you really got to feel that you were a pro player. And that definitely was not there when I was there. Not all the time. I mean, I was lucky I played in Houston and you had the good support and you got to play in the men's stadium. Um, But how can I say it? I mean, this is the tactical stuff that I was talking about. I mean, if you watch that game back, you can see it so easily that we should have been in a 4-2-3-1. Even though they have so many world-class players. I mean, let's talk about they had Sagita coming off the bench. They had Bethke. They had Crystal Dunn. I mean, we could go on and on. You know, and we had two or three really good young players, but those are world-class and international players. But if you watch the game back, this is why I want to be a head coach eventually is because I want to be able, okay, sh- shoot, we're 15 minutes into game, four, two, three, one, let's go, let's change it. This is what will give us the most strength to go against it. Because as you know, anything can happen in a football game. Um, so for me, it was just, it was cool to see how far the league has come. And Kansas City, you have to give them credit. I mean, absolutely world-class absolutely world-class them what they've built for those girls training wise coming in um so for that part of it i mean their the nw cells on the right track and kansas city is going to give them the right facilities to make them one of the best teams i think in the nw cell well, you, you mentioned I'm an Instagram stalker, apparently, um, that in your Instagram post that for your next job, you want to be respected and valued. That That's non-negotiable for you. Did you feel like you weren't respected? I was supposed to come into KC with a different head coach. Um, and then at the last moment, he decided not to come. And it was a coach that I really admired, uh, admired respected, um, a dream to work with and still will be a dream, hopefully one day that I can work with him. Um, at the last minute, he chose not to come. And then a new coach came in. And on my part, I think I came in expecting the same role that I, I was with the coach before. Um, and that was my detriment. Um, to credit to Matt, I think he obviously we got to this second place runner up. So obviously, his methodology works in a way. And I, and I truly wish... Casey Kern, all the best. It's just, um, it's not the place where I think that I can become the best coach than I can be. And I think also as an assistant coach, you should put yourself in different environments to take the pieces that you want to be and use for when you are a head coach. It was a great learning curve. I learned so much. The girls are absolutely incredible. Um, but for what I want to be and who I want to be as assistant and who I want to be in a head coach, um, I'm really excited for what's to come next. And what do you think is one thing that you you bring with you for, from the current? Because you said you're you like as an assistant, it's good to go go around and take um, positive. You, you mean? Yeah, or, or yeah, like that. You feel like this is like this would be good for my leadership. 
I think there was a very set part of philosophy and principles in place. Um, and whatever you choose to bring with you, I think I'm a firm believer from what I learned there that players can't soak in more than three things. So I think now I'm thinking about, okay, what are the three most important things for me to take in possession, out of possession? What are my things? And I've been listening to that high performance podcast, the non-negotiables. What are my three non-negotiables? And then I think I took some of that and that's what I'm going to be taking with me now is that who do I want to be as a coach? I mean, I've learned about Lee Summon at Liverpool and the tactics of what they do. Now I'm, you're learning about Argentina and what they've been so successful in the last 36 games. And this is a lot of the philosophy that I want to bring into the team that I can help eventually. So it's just about taking little, maybe I have a little bit corner and a side now of my coaching puzzle of what I want to be, but there's still so much to learn. I mean, I, I'm truly thankful for it's a, it's a, it's a lot of freaking work. I mean, I was at the office at six 30 because let me say this. I learned that I can always do more. I learned that there is a balance and I learned that it's really freaking hard to be a mom and a coach because there's always going to be work guilt or there's going to be mom guilt. And I might get emotional here, um, but I would show up at six thirty, seven, um, and I would be the first probably to leave around three. Um, because for me, the non-negotiables was being with my son from three to seven. Um, and then I would work at home. No one would probably see it from seven to 11. And I think I got some flack from the, the people that work there because they're men and, you know, they would show up when they would and they would stay longer. And, you know, that was what they chose to do. All hard workers, nothing to say against them then. But it was really hard for me to put my son down at seven at night and then not see him until 3, 3.30 the next day. Do you feel like you were like judged or treated differently for, you know, prioritizing the afternoon with your child? I think... I left with, oh, I know your family meant a lot to you. And I felt guilty for doing that every day. But I mean, that was, I don't know if I did it right or wrong, to be fair. Um, but I i got to stay home with my son the first year. You know, I was working with CMG. Sorry. Okay, your time. And I, I got to be home with him. And it's such a precious time, you know. He's my boy. Um, and I felt like I missed so much. Um, and it was really hard when Babette wasn't there and playing and that kind of stuff too. And my mom was there. It was, it was a really balance. Um, but I will never get those, those four hours with my son. It's, and I will continue to do it. I will get up early, but those four hours from when he comes home from school to me, is really important. Yeah, I think. And it's, it is, I think most, I don't know if I'm sure some men can also feel that way, but it's, it's a guilt and you're gone on the weekends. It's not a, you don't get weekends. So it's, you miss a lot. Yeah. I feel like maybe from an outside perspective of somebody, you know, like maybe not having a kid or having that bond, I think they might have a hard time, like understanding where you're coming from as well. And if, like, I don't have any, 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 any kids of my, any kids of my own, but I do have uh, two nieces and I have, uh, you know, some, some baby cousins. And I always feel like, cause I always feel, you know, whenever I get there and I try to, you know, like be in that moment and hang out with them and, you know, play with them. And I remember one time my, my, my sister texted me, like it, it might've been two weeks ago. And she texted me and she said, I asked Maria what the best part of the day was. And she said, 
that Amanda finally came. And that was, you know, that was like pulling a bullet, putting a bullet in my heart. I was like, no, 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 don't do that to me. So it says a lot, you know, how precious those moments are. You, and you know that this this game is you don't realize how when you're a player how much work goes into their side i mean again credit to matt he was the first one there and he was probably the last one to leave i mean that's what it takes to be a head coach um it's so when people ask are you ready to be a head coach absolutely not i have so much to learn and there's going to be a balance still of i want to keep learning but i also still want to be able to have this precious time with my family after this emotional moment, we're going to move on to um, the NWSL. We're going to move back to the NWSL and we're going to talk about these the later the latest reports that have come out. Um, did you expect them to come out? Yes, I've heard. I heard grumblings. I mean, in the league were a bunch of women and things talk. So I didn't know what, but I knew that there was two reports coming out at two separate times. I did not expect almost every team to be hit, to be fair. Yeah, because Houston Dash recently came out, but that was after your time with the Dash. Yeah, after. Mm-hmm. That was after your time with the Dash. But how, why do you think this is such an important issue to talk talk about? Because obviously you would expect for some of these things to go on, but now they're actually being spoken about. Yeah, I mean, I played when they weren't spoken about. And if they were spoken about, what happened to me in Magic Jack, I was shipped out until somebody came forward a lot later. And I mean, Abby Wombach wrote me this year, a message, what is that, 10 years later, finally apologizing. Um, I appreciated it, but 10 years is a long time. Um, so I think it's most important now that they have a voice. They don't feel like there should never be a situation where a player does not feel comfortable. Absolutely not. And I, that is something that it's heartbreaking. It's hard to understand, especially being in it and so close to it. It's hard that I know a lot of these people. I played against them. I have respect for them. I hurt for them. Um, but I, at one thing I can say is it's all positive because this is a way that it does not happen again. And now NWSL is putting in the right things, which should have always been in the right guidelines, the right boundaries, that this is what it should have always been in from the beginning. No one should be able to coach in this league without a license. No one should be a head coach without an A license, a pro license. I mean, you shouldn't be on staff if you don't have an A or B license. I mean, these are things that have to be mandatory. And I assume, like, based on the reports, this has been going on for a while. Um, what was, you know, like, did you expect it at all to, you know, it cause, like, such a commotion um, on social media and, and for, you know, names to pop up and, and they're asking for, for people's resignations and stuff like that. Was that something you expected when you heard about these reports coming out in the first place? Um, to be fair, no, because of such the power in the U.S., I think more than any other, it's just there's such a power for the money and the wealth. Um, so in one way, I think it was really empowering to see these women stand up together and you could see the waves being moved. I mean, Portland, Chicago. I mean, you can see these players standing together as a band and not only the players that were there, but what came before and who's standing there that it hasn't affected. Um, And it also proves on both sides what social media can do because as a coach, it's scary. I mean, we talked about before, it's scary that maybe you yell at a player in training and then they make a complaint and you, you know, it's, it's just, there's so many things that are happening that, there should be absolutely the players should have this right, but the coaches also need to have some type of a, a union or something because they also should be protected. What if I say something wrong to a player and she goes and complains and something happened that 
you know, it's just, there's always two sides of a story. Um, and these are obviously very extreme cases and like everything should be reported as it was, but I definitely think that there should be a players union for coaches because it is a very scary on both sides of the spectrum, especially in the NWSL right now. Is that something you worried about as like at your time at, at the current? No, I mean, those girls, no. those girls were so incredible. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, they had no reason for me. Kristen Edmonds and I played together against each other for eight years. We did not like each other when we played against each other. And she, I was an out of possession coach. So I was defending coach. And she was, I mean, again, we're not even a year apart. And she was so respectful. Her everything. We watched film. Haley Mace was somebody that her and I watched film every week together. Um, Mallory Weber, I mean, Desiree Scott, she was very close. I've, I've known her for years. Like there is, I could not ask for a better group of girls to bring me in for the first year. A lot of lessons learned, um, but just an incredible group of young women. Yeah. I think it's interesting also that you say that almost, you know, every club got, got hit with this, you know, and especially for me, it was, it was, it was a little bit, you know, when, when these newly started clubs like San Diego way, for example, they got hit quite hard in the first run and the first report, if I'm not mistaken. So that was something I was like, Oh, even, even the new clubs come with some baggage is like my, what my, like my initial reaction was. And you hope now that, I mean, it's hard. It's again, it's hard. It's, it's not fun to read for anyone. People's lives are forever affected by what has happened, but you just hope now that it's going to be from 2023 on. Now the NWSL will just be known for a great football league. Yeah. Nothing. Oh, what happened now? Just, okay, let's go. We got it right. We're getting there. Let's go. And that's what I think everybody past, present, future hopes for. Um, before we started this podcast, you showed off all the, um, all the prices that are your wife's uh, Babette's uh, in the, in the background. Um, but, and you also mentioned, you said, yeah, well, I have one cap with the U S national team. Do you feel like, um, do you remember who you went up against? Oh, I went against Germany. I'll never forget the wave in Frankfurt going in the stadium, coming around 68,000 people. I'll never forget being Hope Solo's roommate. I'll never forget. I saw Angela Euclid, who's now the GM of LA. And I just shook her hand. I'm like, still, thank you. Because on one end of it, it's a little bit, not embarrassing, but it's one cap. Yeah. My bet has a hat here for 115 or something. But at the same time, so many players in a career will never get that one cap. So it's now I appreciate it before I was like, ugh, I was only a youth player. Um, but I still get all the player, get invited to all the stuff. And I'm like, it's pretty cool for one cap. You know, you got to soak it in. It's still on your resume now. Did you? Uh, it's nothing like this behind me. That's for sure. <laughs> did you did you save the jersey at all? I did. Actually, I, I saved one. Uh, I gave one to my dad and then I gave the other to Janet Rayfield. All right. Do you feel like you deserved more caps than one? Yeah. I mean, I think Pia should have, we should talk about it for sure. Yeah, we'll never forget when Pia came in. No bra, guitar on, legs out, completely everything and started a singer song. And um, I think I only got called in because Haga, I played for Haga Reese when I was in LSK. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it was hard because in club I wasn't playing. And then all of a sudden when Emma got fired, a new coach came in and then I scored all the goals, but also Alex Morgan was there. So again, I wish I would have gone to Wolfsburg all the way back, learned how to be a true pro, take care of my body. And then I think my career would have been a bit different. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Great. You've sp spoken a little bit about football analysis with Amanda as well. So this is going to be... But I'm, I'm, I must start by asking you this because let's look ahead a couple of years when Ella Masser is a head coach. How would an Ella Masser coached team play football? Well, I think, like I said, I've been reading a little bit about Liverpool in 2019, been looking a little bit. There's a lot of similarities with, Ars um, with Argentina. I love a fullback. I love attacking fullback. I love that you can go from a four into a three. The outside fullback creates almost, he comes in into the half space. Um, and then you have a midfield of the flat three. I'm giving away all my tactics now. Hopefully no one will listen to this in five years. Um, and that just automatically pushes numbers high. Um, so I think the full back is a huge part of the game that's evolving. Um, I think it's also the ideas of half spaces and filling the gaps and triangles. I mean, sometimes I think we make football way too complicated. It needs to be simple. Um, and you need to have these players to allow them to have the freedom to express themselves and show what they're made of. But I think the structure, especially in the U.S., can be more sound. Um, very, especially defending wise. This is what I was last year. So I think a structure defending, you can be a lot more set and say, okay, this forward comes up and they come underneath and that forces them wide. And these are spaces where we want to collapse. And these are spaces where potentially if we can close the space because of the analysis that's going on and how you can break down a game. Now you can look at all the games in NWSL and say, this is where people lose the ball. This is where the transition happens. Um, so that to me is quite exciting. Um, but then on offense, it's be free, show me what you got, be brave and have fun. Um, and that's what I want to take with me. Um, of course, it depends who you have and what's your best system um, with the players that you have around you. But I want it to be free, loving and loving. Love them to show the passion of the game and a little bit of hard work. We say gang and pressing. You lose the ball, you work five, ten seconds to get it back. So this is almost uh, our last section uh this or that but I, i i need to ask you this now because when you speak about this uh, like possession based or counter-attacking nwsl is counter-attacking yeah i know that so it's <laughs> it depends which league i think you can adapt a little bit but you can't take away what a league is if you're in spain i am convinced that if you can play barcelona you high press them You high press them. What they just saw with the loss, like that's what makes them Bayern Munich did. High press them, and then you sit and you take away as much as you can. You take away the gaps. Um, but that's a more possession based league. I mean, it just depends what league and what they're going to do. Like, I think there can be more possession. I think that was the exciting thing for me about Portland is because you started to see a little bit more of the tactical breakdown, the triangles, the overloads, the third man runs. Um, but I think again, with the more coaches, the more tactical understanding, more foreign coaches coming over, the game will get better and better in the NWSL. What what made you go into coaching? Because you you haven't stopped with football since retiring as a player. I mean, some players do before they actually 
get themselves in there and just dive into to what you're doing because you have done a lot after after stop playing but what is it about coaching that attracts you well i have this funny story that anya and i did the elite cv on busan and my son was eight weeks old and i had to get up at one and four a.m to pump because babette was living in madrid with hedvig and her wife in Atletico Madrid's training complex because she couldn't take care of him because he's a blob, eight weeks old. So Sabina, her wife, helped us. And I had to look, wake up next to Anya Mittag, who, if you know Anya, very German, likes kids, only if they're like very clean and clear-cut. And she would get up and speak to me at 1 and 3 a.m. And I was just pumping away, pumping away. And then we'd have to go do sit in Swedish for, you know, seven days, 40 hours a week. Um, so I, it looks crazy now going back, but I think I've always had this dream of, of giving it a shot. And it's because I've been the, the star in Rosengard. I've been invisible in Wolfsburg and I've been the bench player throughout the NWSL. And I'm convinced there is a way to get number one to number 24 to believe in the culture that you set. And I think it's hard. I think it's things of like the day after training, the head coach is there and they're present and they're watching those players. It's holding them accountable. It's not the one to 13 players I'm worried about. It's the one, it's the 13 to 24 that I want to try to stay invested and believe in the season. Now you can't keep everybody happy, but my thing, and maybe that's a bit more German is my, my door will always be open. Any player can come into my office, but that doesn't mean you're going to like what I have to say. And that's the way I want to conduct because I, I think you can do it. And in women's football, you have to have more than the best players on a team. You have to have some type of community and a culture created. What do you take with you from your active career as a player into coaching? And, and what's the most, let, let's say, give us the best part about have played the game yourself and then go into coaching. And what is the most challenging part about it? Challenging part is it's not fair. You can have a really good week in playing and then a, probably a captain of a national team is going to play. And that's an honest conversation. That's why I want to be honest with players and say, listen, for me, you're not what I see and this player is going to play over you. But that doesn't mean that I won't support you going to somewhere else because I know I just need a different coach for me to see the strength because I defended first. I worked hard, but I wasn't Cristiani. Right. So I will hope I have that dialect with players, that honesty. And the best part is. I mean, I moved away from home when I was 22 because I went to school there. But my family is the women that I shared a locker room with. I mean, Zada is, Guna's daughter is the godmother of my son. And that's because we played in Rosengard. And then we got a little bit more time in Wolfsburg. And these people became my family. And that's probably the best part of it is these, what I've learned is football has always been my best teacher. It doesn't matter where you come from. Everybody puts your shoes on the same way and everybody has to put your foot behind the line. And I did not grow up with money. I did not grow up with support, but I was allowed to be somebody because of football. And that's the best part of it. Do you think you said it to Amanda before when you spoke about the fact that you could actually work around the clock uh, as a coach in the women's game in the highest league in almost yeah, in many countries and leagues, I would say. And I'm not going to say every league, uh, even though that could be true. I, I'm not sure. But explain the setup for those who listen to this podcast. 
uh, around the team in the NWSL uh, 2022. Yeah. Um, so Even though it's 2023 now, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So they're like the players or like the coaching, like the daily schedule, you mean? The, the coaching setup, how the staff and. So I think it's still very for different teams, different. Um, in Kansas City, we had our head coach and then we had me and another assistant were in and out of possession. So he was in possession. I was out of possession, attack defending. We had a goalkeeper coach that also did all the set pieces. Um, and obviously the goalkeepers. Um, and then we had a HP coach who, who worked in the men's game a long time, high performance. And he kind of, it seemed like connected everything. So him and Matt would have, our head coach would have conversations about the training load, the periodization. Then we'd have, and that was a technical staff. And then on the other side, you have athletic trainer, you have an, um, like a strength coach, um, you'd have three athletic trainers, a physical therapist, a massage therapist. Um, I mean, you can't complain with the, and I don't know if like that's like for every team, but we had everything covered. Um, and it's incredible to see how, again, another thing you don't think about the players, how much that medical staff has to work. They're there before you and they leave after you. And then there's every time they're on the road, we get to kind of like chill out the day before game. And that's when they are going to work. So the credit to them is it's, it's incredible what the athletic side of football goes through. Do you look at football any differently now as a coach and as a client manager? Because you have worked uh, with those things uh, as well. Um, and in, in, if you do, in what way? Good question. As a client manager, it's almost nice or not nice, but it's, you have a good feeling because you just want every one of your clients to be the best that they can be. You don't have to make a decision what's best for the team. As a coach, a player could have a really good week of training. And then you have to think about, okay, there's so many details that you would never think about probably as a client manager, because that's, you're just so solely individual. And as a coach, you're as a team. Um, and it's it's work. I mean, I was a head coach of a men's team and I was in Spain and I was doing a third division team. So you were doing it, but there was nothing like what I've experienced in WSL. And I I mean, I loved it. I can't. I mean, there's definitely guilt. But those times when we were there and we were on the pitch and we were with the girls and you could there is nothing like I use Haley Mace. There's nothing like going over video with her from the game and then working out and training and then seeing her implement it in a game. That to me is passes all the goals that I've scored because that is a feeling like, wow, I'm helping this kid become a better soccer player. And of course, with you want to help be a better human or we had a center back named Taylor Leach. She played at um, Yetzeborg and I played against her for a long time and we do a box defending. She's like, hey, Ella, what do you think about this? Or I'm like, yeah, I think you could do this body positioning. And then you're watching her doing it and you're like that's a feeling that's almost indescribable. That's your adrenaline rush. That's what you, that's why you do what you do. Do you think that with the way the women's game is developing at the moment, you know, tactically, technically, or whatever way you play the game, uh, as a client manager, obviously caring for players, do you think that you have to know more about football these days than you did 10 years ago, perhaps. Hands down. I mean, you have to know your market. I'm sure in the next two or three years, we will have our first million dollar contract. And that's exciting. 
I mean, that's the way that it should be. But the game is going so the, the game is growing exponentially every year. Um, and I hope we just do it the right way. We have a chance to build women's football in the right way. Um, and I just hope that we do it and we don't go too big too fast. And I know that seems maybe a bit odd, but it's just, it's growing so quickly. These girls are finally getting the attention, but there's a lot that comes with that. You've seen it probably more in England, what these girls are getting socially abused on media. Now you're going to a game, you don't play good. It's not just your parents saying, ah, oh, you could do better. You're getting the tweets. You're getting, you're on the world stage now. And I think we need to be able to sure that we are stay on top of what makes people human and not just go so quickly to, oh, they're, they don't have feelings, et cetera, et cetera. Cause it's, it's hurt a lot of women. You can see it, especially in the, in the English game right now. Yeah, for sure. Also as a client manager, do you think that I'm not, I'm not sure how to like put this question out right, but do you think that clubs mm. with women's team uh, are good at recruiting players? You mean like a Rosengard or you mean like Chelsea that have women? All teams that are playing in the top leagues at the moment, like are, is the market good at what they, they are doing at the moment and in which way could it be better or? Some, yes. I mean, I know we had a scout at Kansas City, um, but at the end of the day, it's about what does the team need? I know, I mean, I can only say as an assistant coach, I didn't really know actually, to be fair, what was going on behind the scenes, who we were, who we were bringing in or who we're letting go or anything like that. So I can't say on that, but I know for what I would want, I'm not going to go get a leak and Martins. If I need, uh, I don't know. Um, why am I blinking on everyone? I'm not going to go get Lika if I know I'm going to need a Magda Erickson. You know, I'm not going to... If I need a six, then I'm going to bring in a six. If I need a, f- a four, I'm going to bring in a four. If I need an attacking number nine, if I need a false nine, that's how I envision it. Now, sometimes clubs think it's a perfect deal and then you have to adapt, of course, but um that's the clubs that I respect the most. But like you said, now it's crazy, the injuries. I mean, look at Arsenal. They've lost two two of their top, top strikers. I was joking with Rafael Souza the other day that she's going to have to come play Ford again back in the days when she was with us in Houston. I mean, it's, they're playing so many games. You need a roster if you really want to be good of 18 players. Um, you see it with Barcelona now. I mean, these you see it with Bayern. You see it with Wolfsburg. I mean, Wolfsburg has probably one of the top teams right now in a long time because they have a good 16, 18 players that you can switch in and out that you won't miss a step. Now, if everybody's healthy and you're going through a good rhythm, that's hard for a really good player, but that's what you need now to be a top team from August until May. You said something really interesting there about, you know, if I need a number six, I will go for a number six. And if I need, you know, a, a center back, then I, I, I will go with a center back. Not, I, I often think sometimes when, when clubs are presenting players that, that, you find yourself thinking that, hmm, wonder where she's going to fit in or stuff like that. No. I mean, for example, uh, Maren Miada, uh, the Norwegian that plays at Chelsea. For, for me, she's a six. But she has she's so good. She's done so well that you can put her as an outside back. You can put her as a winger. And she finds a way to be world class. Frida Rolfo, is she an outside left back? 
No. <laughs> but she's found a way to be one of the best, or she's found a way to be very successful at Barcelona. I won't say one of the best left backs because. No, I'm, I'm just saying, if, if you ask me about the way I want to play football, Frido is not the best outside left back. But if I want to play attacking minded football, and I know Frido understands attacking minded football because she's a forward at heart. She would be a perfect example why she can come in and come out and you have Patria as a six. You have uh, Mappy who can come out. I mean, you have everything you need to play how Barca plays or a 2019 Liverpool. I mean, that's the kind of player that you would want to need. Yeah, for sure. I mean, she's lived in that credit to her. Yeah, we we like to see Fridolina Rolfe play, play ball now. Uh, the way she performs. I'm telling you, when I saw... When I saw Frida at Wolfsburg and she went to Barca, I was like, she ain't cutting it at the top because it, she was so different than what they had. But she's found a way to be great. And that is what, like, that's what makes a great pro. She adapted and she made Barcelona. I mean, she's, she, she's thriving. Good for her. Yeah. Also, which aspect of the game do you feel that you have? grown or learned the most about over your career? I mean, I cut in one day 12 games because we went to play Houston and I had to break down every attacking player, the top best four to six clips. And when it, it took me three days, but I cut 12 games to bring out their offensive. And then you brought down every players to the top four, six clips of the any attacking moment. Um, so... I would have to say the attention to detail is immense. I mean, it's, and we're not going to play Prague in Croatia or we're not going to play, you know, in Champions League football. We're playing the same 12 teams in WSL and that attention to detail um, is something that you don't think about outside until you go in. But it's, that is something that I've definitely taken. Rodman is only right footed. I mean, she's so incredibly right footed, but she's great at what she does. So that attention of detail is, is very interesting to me now. And if, if we don't, I mean, speak about any league, we just speak about, if you could choose what active players uh, are today, who of them would you like to get a chance to coach or manage and why? Like my best 11 or... Yeah, just some players. You could say one or three or five, whatever. You know, it's hard because there's this unique thing of players that you played with. So I would take Pernilla Harder in a second. Um, because P was such in her prime at Wolfsburg. And I think she's had a hard time at Chelsea, but I know what makes P great. And I would love to get that P. And um, I think going into coach Mal Pugh, I think what she does is she's truly incredible. I mean, it's really exciting for me also watching Tierna Davidson. She's a 22, 23 year old next center back for the U S Tata Malazzo is also one of the, she got the second team um, for NWSL. She's a U.S. player. She Hopefully she'll be a U.S. player. Um, so for me, it's, I mean, I, I would take Pete a second. Um, I got to train Babette and Magda Erickson when everything went down to a pandemic because Magda would come and train in Wolfsburg. So I was just training them in 2019. And one time I made Magda and, and Babette like do two rounds of running because they weren't like in it. And they could have both told me to like, fuck off and they're like yeah okay and they just ran hard and I almost felt bad about it <laughs> but like those are the type of players that you want to work with because they're really good pros they know what it takes and 
and they respect you. I mean, Haley Mace, of course, we had, you know, I've brought it up a couple of times, but I've seen her come from Rosengard. She came in late and then I've seen kind of paid attention to her and then working with her as a outside back and seeing her really kind of come into her own this year was really fun for me. Kristen Edmonds, she's like a fine wine. I mean, she had one of the best years of her career this year and I don't know how she does it, but credit to her and Desiree Scott. I mean, I have so much respect for Desi until you coach her. You do not understand what that human brings to a locker room and to a team and to a culture. And I would take Desi as a six any day of the week. And then you have a spicy one like Lola Banta. You know, Matt would say you don't coach her, you manage her. Um, and I think you can definitely have still a bit of coaching for low, but you need a balance of characters and. I don't know if I keep on track, but I would take probably P as my number one. Um, just because I want to see the P in Wolfsburg again. And I think we could do that in Chicago. <laughs> if you're listening, P. Uh, we should send this uh, to, to Penilla's um, agent. I'll, dare, I'll just direct message her. Hey, remember a minute, one hour? Just listen then. No, but it's, I think she's world class. She's one of the best tens that probably has ever played the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, we have uh, we can agree on, agree on that. I, I think many of our listeners will agree uh, with that as well. Um, with that being said, uh, let's jump into the listeners' questions. Um, I can start. Uh, Tanya wants to know what was the biggest challenge and greatest reward that you didn't expect during your first year as a coach in the NWSL. Greatest reward. Um, being able to coach that group of, of young women, uh, those, I mean, when you spend 10 months, um, and probably spend, you spend absolutely more time with them than you do your own family. Um, you get to really see and understand them as human beings and their different stories, why it makes them who they are and how they've gotten there and the different journeys. Um, and that's a time that you don't get back, but you don't want to get back because it's truly incredible to see what they've done. And then you end it by getting to the finals and, and losing. But I mean, that's an incredible story. And what was the other one? What was the biggest challenge? Finding a way to, to make myself heard without being, um, yeah, without pushing. I just, Like I said, I, I think you should be respected and appreciated. And um, that was the biggest challenge. Nothing from the organization. It was just, you know, can't say more than that. But I just, I felt like, yeah, trying to trying to be heard. That's it. Happy Jam Bakes. Uh, Ella, congrats on a brilliant and resilient career as a player. Since then, as a player agent and then coach, can you share a bit about the qualities and characteristics of the types of players you like to recruit or coach? What do you look for? Uh, what are the intangibles and why? You know, I think it's interesting because I think if you would have asked me this last year, I would have said hard workers, nose down, like German mentality, like whatever it is, the team. And now I would say it's all about balance. You need your, you need your, and I can only speak about this year. You need your Lola Bantas that are the flashy and the, 
in a good way, like the egos and your Lynn Williams. And then you need your calm Kristen Edmonds, Taylor Leach, and your quiet leaders, Desiree Scott. Um, you need a balance. Um, so I can't say that there's one more than others. Defenders, I definitely would say you need a, a playmaker. They can't just be good defenders anymore. Um, you need people that want to work hard and want to get into scrappy tackles, but you also need one that's intelligent and organizes. Um, and then offensive, I think you need someone to break a line and you want someone to come get a ball off your foot. And it's all about wanting them to be free. I think attacking is easier to come into than defending. Defending is more structure and attacking is, I'm not going to teach you. Let me see what you got. I can help you. There's some finishing absolutely that we need to get better at, but in the game, it's, let me see. I mean, CC Kaiser is, I think one of the most underrated players in the U.S. She, what she can do, I would take CC for sure as a ten. I think she's incredible. Bad again, nineteen ninety two underscore Vedsitsen. I think I pronounced that correctly. How was your role in Wolfsburg? Were you signed as a player coming from the bench or in a real competition for the starting spots? First months, definitely. I mean, I played against Potsdam. I was in as a forward. It's it's also a bit easier, right? If you score a couple goals, you're confident, you get more of a chance. Um, and then I think my personal life got a wit, it got a little bit crazy and hectic and the Fab Six, we we held it. We always joked about being in a cave. Um, I was in a cave. Um, and I think a lot of affected that. And that from that, I didn't again, I learned a lot of hard lessons through Wolfsburg, but ones I would never change because it's the reality of, of football. Um, so I think in the second year, it was just, I was a practice player and I tried my best and I would play well, but my time at that point was, I couldn't give them what they needed. Katarina underscore six wants to know, what is your opinion on the development of German football? They need to think world. They need to expand. I think it was so good that Bayern took in um, Alexander. I think that shows a step in the right direction. Um, but at the same time, like the NWSL, they can't stray too far away. But I just think they need to go on these tournaments. They need to give the youth players. They can't just all go to Bayern. They can't all go to Wolfsburg. You need somebody. Leipzig is exciting if they come in next year. Um, you need the players to – you can't have a Julia Brand. who's one of the most exciting young players come up. And she's – I mean, she's going against other world-class elite players. You need to give her an opportunity and an income that can allow her to be the player she needs to be in three to five years. So they need more. They need more. They need four or five teams to really compete. Um, like they need the Swedish league back in 2016. I mean, that's it. And I think this is the last question. And we know the answer to this now, but will Portland or Houston be seeing a lot more of you in 2023? Oh, I guess not at this point in time. Pretty even. Um, but yeah, Chicago is, I was very, very humbled after uh, it came out about Kansas City. I got a lot of requests, and that's the nice part about NWSL is that you have to have a woman on the technical staff. Um, and with a year of experience, and then you have your A license from good old Busan. Uh, Busan, I can never say it right. The O with the dots um, did a lot of help, and and I want to stay in it. But Chicago's home, and the fact that Babette has this opportunity with Wolfsburg and them as well, it's it's a win win for the family.
And with that being said, we're going to move on to the end section, which is a this or that questions. Uh, this or that five questions. I'm going to give you two options. It's rapid fire. Um, so I don't want an explanation. Um, we have, I, last week, last episode when we had Lothan, she, she kept making these faces and she hit herself in the head and she was like, she really wanted to explain her answers, but we, we don't accept that. I'm going to be the same. Okay, I got it. All right. Um, defending or attacking? Defending. Winning a game 1-0 to zero after following the game plan strictly or winning 5-0 to zero where the game plan hasn't been followed at all? <laughs> Wait, I'm out. Is it Champions League? Is it a normal game? You have to give a little bit more here. You're asking questions here. It's up for interpretation. One will follow the game plan. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah. Winning a football game. Would you rather win as a coach or as a player? Coach. On a day off, do you rather watch football or just Netflix and chill? Am I in season or out of season? <laughs> That's a fair question. <laughs> it is a fair question. Let's just do... Um, well, I assumed... You know, um, let's do one answer for in season and one season for out, out of season. In season, Netflix, out of season football. And with that being said, Ella, that's a wrap. And thank you so much for being part of this podcast. We really enjoyed having you on. Thanks, guys. We might have to edit a couple of things, but it's been my pleasure. Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 